Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hey, love on somebody, elbow hug, whatever you're comfortable with, and uh, glad y'all are here. Well, I just want to start off first by saying, because <laughs> I've got to correct some things. Y'all love each other. Yeah, let them let him, let him love each yes, other. Yes, y'all a second. love, love, love. Hug, hug, hug. I got love. And those that are watching online, thanks for watching online. You are yes. us. We love you. Some of you are watching just long ways away. Some of you are right here in Frisco, but we're glad that you're tuning in. And uh, so we're talking about generational legacy today. Yes, we are. And, uh, but I wanna just go back a little bit and just tell you from last week, I have a little correction to make as I got some direction. Uh, you know, you get put in the hot seat when you're right here on the stage, right? You do research. I don't and... ever feel like I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> I just say it. You say it and then I make sure that you know that you've been in the hot seat and you are in trouble. No. Uh, so anyway, I always want to correct if anything that I say that's not accurate and so never want to say anything that isn't accurate, but sometimes we can. And so, um, so last week when I talked about Nelson Mandela, one of the things that I referenced was that he had um, become uh, a Muslim. He turned to Islam as his religion because of the woman that he married. The error that I made in that is that when, when I saw Nelson Mandela and all the information about him, it was not him, but it was his grandson. And so he had never converted to Islam. But one thing I wanna say as it relates to generational legacy, how important it is and just as I referenced, while he was an awesome man and he did great things yeah. for South Africa, yeah. if we don't carry on the kingdom and who God is in our life, and we don't translate that down line, then a grandson who has our name or our legacy in him, if we don't instill that, then they're not gonna carry that on and they'll, they'll pick up any other religion that's out there. And, uh, and so that's the-, yeah. um, the it's, so, it's so important. And again, I, I, was, I was raised as a Christian, but even though my father did not know the Lord, but there was no thought process about the kingdom. There was no thought process about that, that we're creating a legacy in our family. And I know many of you can identify with that. You understand that. It's like people didn't have the revelational knowledge that you're going to have today. And so, uh, Pastor Sheila, we're not just going to speak as the founding pastors, as the lead pastors of this church, but today we're putting our spiritual father, spiritual mama hat on, and we're going to speak to y'all. Some of you have never had parents or you never had a father, never had a mother who have spoken into your life spiritually. And if you'll just give us for the next few minutes the privilege to do that, I think it'll shift some things in your life for the glory of God forever. Amen? So would you give us permission to do that just for the next few minutes? Because we want to talk about your legacy and creating a generational legacy. Go ahead, Sheila. You're going to the video. Oh, I am? Yes. Okay. I'm going to have y'all watch a video right now uh, because we've always thought that way around here. We've always thought generational legacy and this week I just had a thought we walked outside and some of you are newer with us and you don't even know this exists so I thought I would just tell you about a thought process around here that way transcends us just establishing a church in Frisco Texas where a life-giving church although that's important 
but where the thought process is behind founding this church. So take a look at this. Elevate Life family, you know, some of you that are new with us, you may not even know this exists. Behind me is what I call an altar of honor, that when we finished building this building uh, back in 2004 and moved into our first phase of, of our church, now of course we have the beautiful cathedral, and uh, here we are 20 years later going into our 21st year. But this was an altar uh, of honor that represents generations. And that from the very beginning of our church, Sheila, we were thinking generations. In fact, fast forward from 2004, this building is no longer our auditorium. It's no longer the church building. But now there's, there's a kid's player, a tree house in there. There's children's ministry that happens in this part of our church now. Uh, there's our LPS school, Sheila, our leadership prep school that meets here, 21, 22 classrooms. Our student ministries meet in this building. And I think about that here, we built this for our church building, but it's so much more than that because we've always thought generational, Sheila. And on this, on this altar of honor, I just wanted to draw your attention to it as we talk about generational legacy today, because it says, when your children ask, what are these stones? Tell them that all the peoples of the earth may know the land of the Lord, that it is mighty, a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And this is what Joshua told the children of Israel when they had the first miracle after they came out of Egypt and they crossed over the Jordan. God parted the waters. It was the first miracle for them to go into the promised land, which when they, when they went into that first land in the promised land, which was Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Before that ever happened, this was something that Joshua said, when the children of Israel crossed across the Jordan on dry land, God parted it for, for his people. He said, my super is gonna be on your natural from this day forward because you're my children. And then they, they stacked Sheila these stones and they said, when your children ask, what are these stones? Remind them, this is a memorial to the Lord. So Sheila, we've, we've been thinking like this for years and now I just, in this series, your, your Live Your Legacy book, it's just helping you think. It's more than just about your life right now. Everything that you're doing is going to impact not only you, not only your family, but we believe, Sheila, and you talk about it in your, in your book, five generations from now. It's so hard for us to think that way. Yeah, and if we, as a church, and first of all, as God thinks generationally and wants us to think that way, we as a church are thinking that way. How much more so, even in your family, should you think that yeah. way? You know, God is so faithful to all of us, but so many times we forget about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You know, He does awesome things in our life. He, we pray, we believe God for a husband. He brings that husband to us, and then we get mad because that husband's now in our life. Whether it's kids, we believe for children. Finally, God get, blesses us with children, and we get so in the day in and we day out. We forget about the goodness forget, of God. Absolutely. We've got to remember every day, God, you are a good God. Yeah. You are faithful, and you will see us through any tough trials that we go through. But if we don't go back and remember, we've got to remember. Yes, we've got to remember. And that's—I just wanted to draw your attention to this today because it's so special. I mean, many of you—you you may have passed it, and not known what it means. This is after we built this building, and I said these are the people that we are going to honor. 
And just like the children of Israel, these are the stones. Let's remember, these stones represent the tribes of Israel that saw the hand of God yes. as he put it on their lives as they went into their promise. God's got great promises for you. This is our year, Sheila, of transformation. This is our year for double-double. And we are establishing a memorial today, Sheila, in, in your hearts, most importantly, that we are the memorials now as we carry this message of Jesus to generations to come. Generational legacy, that's what we're all about. That's what, your legacy. That's what Elevate Life Church is yes. all about. God bless you guys. Bless you. This is where new generations happen, amen? So I'm just so excited, Sheila, about your book. I read this book and I read it in one day this week. And she said, what's your favorite part? I said, the part's about me, honey. Like that's, that was my favorite parts. But uh, you know, if you had somebody who was gonna write a book about you and put you in the book, what would they say about you? And I like most of it. <laughs> there like, was one part you- Yeah, there was yeah. one part. That but it's, it's true though, like, it was true and you just have to admit it. They'll have to read it so they can know. Yeah, they'll have to read it. And uh, you know, I got that part it told about me too. So anyway, thank you, Sheila. But hey, I want you to just yeah. take a few minutes and just share because we, I got to chapter four in this book and I, t I told you, I said, man, I think you need to share that. That's just so profound. You're gonna be in the lobby today signing some books afterwards. Yeah. And so we're excited about that for those that didn't get the book and pick up one for somebody else that you think. There, I, I just, I, listen, I, I have over 10,000 books in my library. In fact, this, uh, this week, I just went and counted them. I counted every shelf. I counted in both my library and my office. And I thought, and my kids asked me one time, they go, have you read all those? I said, well, most of them. I said, but here's what I'm, here's what I'm gonna do. I don't want you just to, after we die, I don't want you just to go, oh, those old books, get rid of all these old books. Don't, don't do that, because I've got $100 bills in different books. So you're gonna, have to, you're gonna have to go through every book. But inside this book, Sheila, there ain't no money, there's only gold. And it's gonna be awesome. So go ahead and take a few minutes and share. Well, I just wanna just take a moment before I get to the book to just, um, as it relates to Joshua and the scripture that you saw on that memorial, I think about when we, anytime that we read the word of God, it, we should always apply it to our life. Sometimes yeah. we can think, oh, that happened so long ago. You know, that was about Joshua crossing over and him remembering the great things that God did and taking those 12 stones and setting them up as a monument. But I thought, how can that be true in our own lives? Should we just read that about Joshua and just go, oh, that was a good story and they remembered that back then? But we can apply it to our own lives because you know, just like we've said, we're not living our life for ourselves. We're li living our life for the people that have gone before us. Because I think about the people that have gone before me. I've had an amazing legacy of some amazing people that have gone before me. I'm not first generation Christian or first generation ministry like Pastor Keith is with first generation ministry. And, uh, and so my- well, like They already know you're better than me, honey. No, so no, no. That has nothing to do with it. It's just, I have more of even a responsibility at this point to say what, went before me. Yeah. Now, Pastor Keith doesn't have that, but he's saying, man, I'm digging in. And what legacy do I wanna leave because yeah. I didn't get that. And so that may be your story. But for me, I had some amazing ancestors that were before me and they dug up 
some fallow ground. Yeah. They planted some amazing seeds. So when I know their stories, I say, you know what? I am living for their legacy yeah. because they went before me. Yeah. But not only that, I'm living my legacy today. And you're living your legacy today. But also I am living and you are living for a legacy and a generation that you will never see. I just think, man, yeah. how awesome is that thought? But we don't think that way because we think we just are going in day in and day out with frustrations of life, disappointments of life. But what if all of us set up memorials in our life yeah. so that really helped us to continue to live what this word says, to make this a part of our life, to say, God, if you did all of this, at a season and time in life when I wasn't here, how can I take this word and set the memorials and the monuments and the things that happened before me and, and put them in my life? And what can I do today so the story that I'm telling through my life and the influence that others that go after me will remember the legacy that I've left so that they can build upon that. Because so many times we forget yeah. about how faithful and how good God's been. And God, and God knows we're, we're forgetful. Right. And what's weird is we are very good at remembering the not so good. But I don't know what it is about human nature that we forget about the good things. And yet we remember the bad things. And we allow the bad things that we remember to shape our future rather than remembering that we're still here today. Oh. And no matter what happened in the past, yes, I remember the goodness of God in the midst of the things that have hurt me in the yeah, past. Absolutely. And we have to remember that God gives us hope. How many times in situations have you faced where God was really a hope giver to you? You were encouraged and yeah. you know you came into service and it was a worship song. It was a word that was spoken and God spoke directly to your, your spirit and to your heart. How many times has he healed and restored and moved in your life? But you know what we don't do? We don't remember. We don't set up these memorials in our life. Well, for all of us as believers, a spe two special holidays for us are Christmas and Easter. Yeah. Do you know that those are memorials that we set up? But how many times do we make it about Santa Claus and we make it about the Easter bunny? But they are memorials for us to say, God, you were a baby. And you came to this life to give us life and life more abundantly. Yeah. Thank you that you were born, that you came to this earth. Thank you that you died and you rose again for the sicknesses that would be in our bodies. You, you came that we might have life and that you forgave us of our sins whenever we made mistakes, whenever we messed up, that we can have freedom in you. Those are memorials. So take those times special. What about in your family? What about birthdays? Can those be memorials in your life? Absolutely. Do we just look at our children and say, oh, here's a birthday cake, put some candles on it. Happy birthday, here's your gift. What about if we really made the birthday significant yeah. in our children's life, in our family's life, in our friend's life, that we begin to speak to them and say who God says that they are, what we see in them, the greatness that is inside of them. You know, that takes a little confidence for you to step out and speak out, you know, and yeah. to, to gather together and to do that. Some people are a little uncomfortable, but the more you do it, it's just little words of encouragement. It's a time that you say, this is memorial. This is a time that's significant 
significant in their life. And one of the and, ways that we made birthdays special, Sheila, was was we created what we called honor circles. Right. And so at, at the birthday time, we would take an opportunity, or at Christmas, and Keela kind of leads us as a family at Christmas. She always writes something uh, individually for each one of us, and she speaks that from her heart at Christmas. It's always such a special time, and that's my favorite gift every year, is that she speaks to that to the, to us from our heart that way. But I think birthdays can be so much more than a party. They can be so much more than just gifts. They can be so much more than a cake. But when it becomes a part of our legacy is when we take that time on birthdays to honor those people that were birthed and make sure that we express to them what they mean to us. And they really do become significant moments in our children's life. You'll never know, or your friend's life, or a co-worker's life. You'll never know the significance of those moments when we think more that way. Yeah. You know, it's also traditions in our family. We bring as individuals traditions into our family, whether you can think about a grandmother, maybe she made, she would come in at Christmas time and she would bring this warm apple pie. You know, in my book, I put a recipe that my memory is my grandmother, she made blonde fudge. And that was, it was homemade, it was made for from scratch and we just loved the moment she came in we would just all grab a piece well when she went on uh, and went to heaven you know the the blonde fudge recipe can just die well, or you when can she say, went to heaven you went from 350 pounds <laughs> to about you know yeah where I am today that's right I stopped eating all that fudge that's not true but you know what I always say for for Christmas time for special occasions no calories count in those times. You just need to enjoy, because that's a part of making a memory, right? We're not counting calories at that time. And we got some, some of those moments coming up. But, uh, but you, know, you know, just in your life, think about ways that you can create moments. They're, they're like monumental moments in your life. They're significant to your family. And you kind of go back to it. You go, I remember when, or I remember this birthday and how significant that it was because you made them special. You made them beyond the cake and the ice cream. Well, uh, also, uh, um, we do that in our life here at the church as a family of choice. You know, it's in our small group times. It's in our uh, home groups. It's in all the Bible studies that we have. It's the men that meet at Rudy's every Saturday morning at 6.30 in the morning. It's a sacrifice that's made. But how much monumental moments are these men making? If you talk to any of them that have been to Ruby's, they will tell you that how amazing those times have been and how significant the brotherhood has been. Whether it's a marriage class, you come into here. These are monumental times yeah. that God meets you at these places and these round tables and these significant times. They become and a part of your legacy. That, yeah, absolutely. And become a part of other people's legacy. So um, when, uh, when I wrote this particular chapter in chapter four, it was a significant time in my son's life. It was a significant time in Keith's life. But I don't know if we're really ever gonna know the significance of this moment, but how important it is for all of us to take time to have conversation with our children. Sometimes our conversation is intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. It doesn't always have to be intentional. Intentional is great. And I talked about that last week in the Shema in De Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9. You know, when you rise up, when you lie down, when you walk along the way, those are just like unintentional conversations. And then there's those intentional times. Well, this is one uh, of an intentional time 
that Pastor Keith had in his son's life at 19 years of age, Pastor Josh. And so he was being um, corrected on something because of the way that he was acting. I know y'all just can't ever imagine Josh ever doing anything where he needed correction. And because he's always been such an obedient child. Well, pl well plus he was full grown. I mean, he's a full grown adult. He's 19 years old. And uh, my philosophy as it relates to parenting is you never stop being the parent. You parent differently, but you never stop being the mom. You never stop being the dad. But here's what happens, Sheila. What happens to us is that we think our children don't listen to us that much. We, we think, you know, we take our cues from them rather than being very intentional about passing on the legacy and choosing to speak into the life of our children, whether it seems like that it's, it's resonating with them or not. And, uh, and just to know that God has given you that place of authority for you to be able to speak as a father, as a mother into your child's life. That never stops for as long as you live. It's just people stop doing it. They think, well, my kid's an adult. They can just choose, they can do whatever. Rather than say, no, I'm still the dad. I'm still the mom. I still wanna speak about our legacy. I still wanna em emphasize God. I, and, and, and what happens so oftentimes, Sheila, and sometimes it happens in, in families that are, you know, the original mom and dad. Sometimes it happens in blended families. But it's almost like we find reasons not to have hard conversations. We find reasons not to speak into our children's life because we're concerned about driving them away from us. Right. But I want to tell you, in the name of Jesus, don't be concerned about that ever again. Just understand that, you know what, I'm the father, I'm the mother, I'm gonna speak into their life because we have a legacy to live and to leave in our family in Jesus' name, so. Absolutely, and so one of the things that you have always even taught us as a family, we do it here with our staff, if ever we have a meeting, if ever there's a conversation that takes place, there's always a takeaway. And I love how Pastor Keith has did that in our family and he said, you know what, when I, when I come to my family of choice and we started this church, he said, I want that to continue on because a lot of times you can have conversation and you can think the conversation went so well. And then when you ask, what did you hear me say? Or can you give me a takeaway? It can be totally different than what you meant the conversation or even actually what they heard you say. Okay, so Sheila, let me, let me address that just for a second. I'm not, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm gonna just tell you what we did. So if I took time to speak into my child's life, it wasn't just correction, it was I would speak into their life and then I would ask a question like this. I would say, now what did you hear me say? So in other words, not like here's what I'm gonna say, now go do it, but like what did you hear me say? And so in our family, we had a takeaway culture. We developed a takeaway culture and we still do on our staff. And sometimes even with our staff, People still have a hard time with it because they weren't raised that way. They weren't raised to give a takeaway. In other words, to walk away from a correction and a direction and actually say, uh, thank you for correcting me and helping me be better. They walk away offended. They walk away with their feelings hurt. Listen, if somebody corrects you and they direct you, it's usually because they love you. They're not just trying to get on you. They're not just trying to ride you. They're trying to help you be better. And so that's, that's the kind of culture we've strived. Well, and that's what I got. That's what I got after I spoke. I got an email 
And it was very sweet and it was very loving. But I said, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for helping me because, you know, I don't ever want to do anything that's not right or correct. Or if I get some type of direction, I want to receive that. So you can send her those kind of emails, but don't you ever send me an email. <laughs> but anyway. it was. Okay. So, but, but hey, let me just give you a quick tip. Many of you have been around here a long time. You know this. But one of the first takeaways when we would correct our children that we expected and required from them from the time they were a little bitty is after they would be corrected, they were required to say, thank you for correcting me and helping me be better. That's a takeaway. In other words, we wanted to teach them to have a, a, a heart of gratitude for being corrected. And most people, the most difficult thing for them is to be corrected by anybody and therefore, they never personally grow and they never develop with people around them. I had, a, I had a black pastor, I just have to say this, I shared this with our financial leaders yesterday, but I had a black pastor that, that I coach that contacted me this week and said, hey, can I just come give you a perspective? We spent about three hours together and he shifted me on some things. He helped me understand some things because he loved me enough to help me. Valerie, Valerie Burton said it on Friday night. She said, listen, it's not just about being empathetic towards people. It's about understanding, like when people, when people talk to you, they're gonna come from a perspective that you don't have. And if you'll be grateful for that, it can help shift you and change you in some areas that you need some shifting and changing in, amen? And so again, it's just being that, being that kind of person. But I just wanna say that as a tip, I'm gonna write a book about just about that. That's entitled, thank you for correcting me and helping me be better. Because our world wouldn't be in the position that it's in right now. Our country would not be in the position that it's in right now. If people had a spirit of thank you for correcting me and helping me be better. We wanted yeah. to teach honor in our home. And so our kids, our kids didn't like to do that all the time, Sheila. But then, then I would go to the next level. I would tell them, I don't need you to comply with me. I need you to be committed with me. This is our family. Don't just comply and have a bad attitude. I need you to be committed for what we're trying to accomplish in our family. So it's very powerful, but anyway, go ahead. Okay, so here, here we go. This was, um, so I said my husband shared with our son that his future would not be secure just because he grew up in the craft home. His own legacy mattered too. He needed to design it by doing good every day knowing his actions would affect his future success. So they're gonna put on the back wall his letter that he wrote. So this was Josh's takeaway, takeaway from the conversation from that they had after he had been corrected. So he says, unfinished thoughts by Josh Kraft, external and internal. These are the causes to which we attribute our identity. We are poor or rich because our parents were, or do we prosper because of who we personally are and are striving to become? Externally, it is easy to see how a person from an inner city cannot hope for a future because of the circumstances in which they find themselves. How can we say it is okay for such a person to be unsuccessful in life, but we can look at the life of great men and say otherwise? In my 19 years of little significance, importance, or influence, I have begun to see that the daily decisions we make may seem unimportant and irrelevant. Still, they affect our future success and failures. This verse is in the book of Proverbs. As a man thinketh, so is he. 
Is this really fastened with the fiber of our thought process? And do we understand the cost of this in our own lives? Do I have to be highly educated to understand that the way I think today determines my circumstances in the future? How can I even believe that in a world of postmodern relevance lies my written and personal belief that what is true to them is not true for another person? Because a person is raised in a home with no leadership, education, work, teaching, or values in Frisco, does that give them the right to act in such a way? I am not the result of what my parents are or the circumstances in which I was raised. I am a product of God, and He has given me an opportunity to choose how I will live my life. My parents have chosen theirs, so it is up to me to choose my own. People who look to blame external circumstances for who they are will find nothing but excuses that in the end count for nothing. A privileged life is privileged because I choose it to be so. It is not because I am rich and you are not, or you are rich and I am not. It is because I live my life making decisions I know to be right. And privilege is attracted to me. The law of attraction does not just apply to people, but also to principles. Valued privilege mean that my life and who I am cannot be blamed on my parents. Circumstances, ethnic background, net worth, etc. But the weight of who I am, good or bad, must be placed squarely upon my shoulders and only I can take responsibility for what I have become. So let me be clear. I wanted my children to understand because I'm successful doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You see, privilege doesn't come because you're white. Privilege doesn't come because you have more money than somebody else. Privilege doesn't come because of the family you were born into or not born into. Privilege comes when you take responsibility for yourself and you decide regardless of where I came from, here's where I'm going. Privilege is understanding that if you're God's son and you're God's daughter, then you are privileged. Privilege is understanding that we live in the greatest country in the world and privilege happens in the United States of America. Privilege is understanding, listen to me, that you take responsibility for your actions and you don't look at what somebody else said, what somebody else did, where you came from, why you shouldn't succeed. Privilege is understanding what Josh said at 19. I can't tell you how happy I was that as I had that talk with him, I wanted him to understand he was not entitled. He would not be privileged. He would not inherit my money. It was gonna be some, something that he decided for himself, both internally and externally, to take control of his life, take responsibility for his decisions, and be a person that regardless of what he saw good bad and ugly in me or her primarily in me that he would still learn from both and make a choice to make a difference in the world because of who he was in Christ Amen. not because his last name was Kraft. absolutely very good son and what I forgot to tell you was that this letter had been written 13 years ago we had not seen it he had moved you know he'd gone on to college it was tucked away in my nightstand we had read it at the time but in 13 years we had not picked up this letter forgot that I even had it when I was writing this book I was coming to the end of it and I was looking in a cabinet in my laundry room for something and ended up coming across this letter and I said I have to put this in the book and I went back and put it in my fourth chapter and so as 
um, I read this and I told Josh about this letter. He's, he, I asked him if he would add some thoughts based on being 32 years of age, if he would write what his thoughts now were as it related to that letter. And he says, um, I, I said, I asked him to share his thoughts. He said, the, this is his thoughts. The older I've gotten, the more I've been exposed to unhealthy family environments. Seeing other family cultures has allowed me to appreciate the principles and the intentionality in the way you, like my parents, led my sisters and me, even though you weren't perfect. You taught us principles, and now because of your example, I want to do the same without expecting my family to be a copy of me. You were transparent and real. Now with my family, I want to live the principles and express them in my own way. If, it, if I did not have your example, I wouldn't have been able to do that. You see, let me just tell you this. Do you know what that is to Pastor Keith and I? That letter is a memorial stone. That is a significant yeah. time in our life, in his life. And I'm so glad that I found it because you know what? I don't know. I don't know all that involved in that, was involved in that conversation with his dad and what God was doing in that moment. And that's what I wanna tell you, none of us know. Just like Joshua, whenever he crossed over and they came over the Jordan, he could have said, oh, we're over the other side. We're in Canaan now. Let's rejoice and let's get going over to Jericho. No, he didn't say that. He said, let's take a moment. Let's look at the goodness of God. Let's look at what God has done. Let's take some stones. Let's take these memorial stones. Let's, I want the 12 tribes. I want you, every one of you to go get a stone. And you know what? Our children and our children's children, yeah. the generations to come will see this monument and they will know the goodness of God. I think about that in my life and in our family's life, the significance of this letter. I can just let it go by and say, oh, Josh, you're so smart. You know, that was just brilliant. Or I can say, God, you are obviously working in the unseen. You work in ways that we cannot see. And 19, did we know that he was going to eventually lead and be the pastor of this church one day? We didn't know. We had great thoughts for what our children were going to be and who God destined them to be. We spoke over that. But we didn't know, but you know what? We kept living our legacy. We kept pouring into our children. We kept saying, God, you've got greatness in them. We're not gonna let moments go by. And in that moment of having a significant letter, it became a memorial. And I just believe a memorial in Josh's life also. I'm gonna read this, this scripture here. It's Ecclesiastes 3.11. It's how I start this chapter. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. None of us know. Thank you, Pastor Precious. Give her a big hand. Thank you so much. Amen. So be seated just for a moment. Uh, I want to just finish uh, today with a few thoughts for you about generational legacy. And I, I want to I put something in the context for you. I want you to really hear me. Now, again, I'm going to ask you for permission again. Don't look up here and see me as this way or that way, whatever, you, whatever your own filter and process is. I'm asking you for the next few minutes, for the next few minutes only, let me speak out of a heart of a father. Let me talk to you like I would talk to Josh. 
Let me impart into you because some of you did not have a father that did that. My father did not do that. My father was a good man. He provided for us. I, th I thank God for his life. But I want you to really hear what I'm saying now. My father did not ever have one intentional conversation with me. He never sat me down and said, you're my son, you're a craft, and here's how we are as a family, not one time. He was just trying to work and trying to make a living and he didn't even have a, he didn't have a dad. So how did he know how to speak into my life? He didn't. So the fact is whether you had a dad or whether you didn't have a dad, the, the bottom line is, I wanna give you perspective about what I'm about to teach you. The children of Israel, let's say it a different way, God's sons and daughters in the earth had been slaves for 400 years. They were in slavery for 400 years. And let me tell you something, when you've been a slave for 400 years, you think you might think like a slave? You think you might be like a slave? You might think you do like a slave? You might think your prism is, is, is viewed, your worldview is viewed through a slave's eyes? Everybody would say, absolutely, that's all you know. Generation after generation after generation of slavery. So these are God's people now. Now he speaks to the former slaves. Now he speaks to his children. They were always his children, but for 400 years, slaves. And here's what God says in Judges, the second chapter. And when Joshua had sent the people away, the tribes of Israel, each one to his own inheritance. So now they've crossed over into the Jordan. They've won many battles. To take possession of their land, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So Joshua served the Lord. The Bible says in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. His children serve the Lord as far as we know. The elders who were with him, the older people that were with him, they served the Lord, even the ones who outlived him. But look very carefully at what I'm gonna tell you. They had all seen the great work of the Lord, which God had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110. Also, all the people of that generation were gathered to their fathers in death. So Joshua died, then all the people of that generation, they died. And another generation arose after them who did not know, recognize, or understand the Lord, nor any of the work that God had done for them. My question to you is why, what happened? Well, why did everybody know about the goodness of God while Joshua was alive? Why did everybody know about the goodness of God while the elders who were around Joshua um, were alive? But once Joshua died and Joshua's next generation, his, his family, once his, his children died and the elders that were with him died, the next generation did not serve the Lord. So watch this now. For 27 years, Joshua led the children of Israel. He fought battles with giants, but it was 27 years before that Moses prophesied that Joshua would be led by the Spirit to lead God's people by supernatural power. So 27 years before Joshua ever 
crossed over into the promised land. Again, 400 years of slavery. God says to, or Moses says to Joshua, in all the sight of the people, be strong and courageous for you will go with this people into the land that God has sworn to your fathers to give them and you will give the people the inheritance. And the Lord's gonna go before you and he'll be with you and he will not fail you or abandon you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then Moses died. And then God in Joshua, the first chapter, speaks to Joshua himself and he repeats what Moses said to him. He says, no man will be able to stand before you, Joshua 1.5, as long as you live. Just as I was present with Moses, I'll be present with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong, be confident, be courageous, for you will give the people the inheritance of this land that I swore their fathers. God is a generational God. Only be strong and courageous. Do everything in accordance to my word. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. Then you will prosper and be successful everywhere you go. How many of you wanna prosper and be successful in your life? Come on, all right? He says, if you do what this book says, generation from generation, this book works. In fact, we could just, we could just name this book, not just the Bible, but the legacy book. Because we're all a part as God's sons and daughters of God's legacy in the earth. So he goes on to say this, Day and night, be careful that you do everything in accordance to what's written in that. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will be successful. Have not I commanded you for the third time now, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or dismayed, intimidated for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. So you can imagine what Joshua's thinking. They've just entered into the promised land and God's saying, hey, don't be afraid. Hey, be strong. Hey, be courageous. Hey, don't be intimidated no matter what you see. He's thinking, hey, I'm in my promise. Hey, things are gonna be great. This is gonna be awesome. After being 400 years of, 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 of being involved in slavery, God's trying to say, listen, you're my people and what I said in the past is gonna come to pass for you. And Joshua, your task with leading my people into this promised land. So follow along. For 27 years, Joshua led. They saw miracles from the very beginning. We've already talked about it. The first miracle, when they came out of, of the desert and they went into their promise, God parted the waters of the Jordan. They walked over on dry land. God was saying, my super is gonna be on your natural. Somebody put an amen on that. God wants to bring his super into your natural in every area of your life. Then the, the first city, the first giant that they had to defeat was Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down just because they worshiped God and they were obedient. They didn't even fight anybody. And God caused the walls to come down. From Joshua 1 to Joshua 12, they as a people defeated 31 kings that represent 31 days of your life. In other words, there's gonna be, be something that you have to defeat every day of your life. That's why I recommend uh, some serious new, spiritual nutrition. The best thing I could say is it's called the book of Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs, just read one every day. So today's the fourth, read Proverbs four. In Proverbs four, here's what you'll find, just in Proverbs four. You get down to verse seven, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with your wisdom get understanding. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to differentiate between good and best. Let me talk to all the investors here. How many of y'all have ever invested money in stock or any business or anything like that? Let me just see your hands. Let me, let me give y'all a quick tip. Before you ever invest again, just say, God, you know I don't want good, I want the best. 
So wisdom is the ability to differentiate between good and best. So here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 4 on October 4th, 2020. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the prince of all things. Therefore, get wisdom. And with your wisdom, get understanding. And know this, she will exalt you and promote you and crown you with honor. That's a good way to live your life, isn't it? The Bible goes on to say this, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you. So before you ever make an investment, before you ever marry somebody, before you ever do a business deal, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. And you teach your children to ask God for wisdom. That's one of the greatest things that my mother did for me. When she would probe me, she said, Keith, always ask God for wisdom. So every day, I am eagle. I pray for the wisdom of God. God, I need your wisdom in this situation. Don't let me process. Don't let me think this way. Don't let me think like a white guy. Don't let me think like an American. Don't let me think just based on my experience. In other words, I want to elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life and help elevate the life of other people. So God, I need your wisdom to be able to do that. Come on, put an amen on that. All right. So in other words, I recommend that spiritual nutrition. Just read a proverb a day. If you don't read, have time to read any other parts of the Bible, just read whatever the day is. Go to that proverb, read that proverb, and get on your spiritual maturity journey in the name of Jesus, all right? So here's what happens. What happened is that for the next 31, or for the next several years, 27 years, they had to defeat 31 kings. Next week, I'm preaching a video message for a friend of mine in South Carolina, and the title of the message is something I preached here a few years ago, and that is, the kings I must defeat in my life. Have you identified what you've got to defeat in your life? Because if some of y'all stuff keeps coming up, it's been the same thing yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? Just because you defeat it once doesn't mean it's defeated forever. You just know that's a fight you're going to have to fight. You know what my number one fight is every day, y'all? Every day, if you've been around here, you know, every day I fight discouragement. I feel discouraged every day of my life. Why do you think I would have to fight discouragement? I fight discouragement for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because of the ideals I have in my life. And so I have these ideals that involve my goals and involve my dreams and involve my visions. And when it's not happening the way that I want it to happen, no matter what the goal, no matter what the dream, no matter what the vision is, I'm gonna face discouragement. How many of you can understand that? But let me tell you the real reason why I fight discouragement every day of my life. Because God's put me on this earth to encourage. So my battle, what, what does encourage mean? It's actually two words. It means to speak strength. So when I encourage somebody, I'm speaking strength into them. So why do you think the devil himself would like to discourage Keith Craft? Because he doesn't want me to be able to speak strength into you. Because if I'll stay discouraged, guess what I'll get focused on? I'll get focused on me. I'll get focused on what's not happening for me. I'll get focused on things that are not where I think they should be. And I can tell you, it's 60 years and 10 months old. I'm about to be 61, y'all. At 60 years and 10 months old, there's a lot of stuff that still hadn't happened that I've been pushing for for a long time. It still hadn't come to pass. So here's what that means. If you're gonna be a person that actually sets goals, 
If you're going to be a person that actually wants to live it with a spirit of excellence, spirit, soul, and body, if you're going to be a person that actually believes God for big things, then when it doesn't happen, just know one of the things you're going to have to fight is discouragement. One of my friends, Jason, is here. Jason has diabetes. He didn't ask for it. It's not the kind of diabetes that he eats too much sugar. And so he, it's, it's, it's onset diabetes, which would be type two. He's got, he's got diabetes. So he's a fitness expert. So guess what he has to do? He has to check himself. How many times do you check yourself every day, Jason? I don't even know. Just, just all day long, right? To see where your levels are. And yet he's this fitness guy that's trying to get people who don't even have the situation that he has to realize you talk about privilege, they're privileged. It's like if they would just do what you tell them to do and what you coach them to do, it would be a lot easier for them than, than it is for you. But they look at you and they say, I want what you got. And here's what your response to them is. No, you don't want what I've got because I'm just telling you something. You can't handle the truth. And you know what the truth is? He has chosen his path in fitness and he has to fight against his own physicality every day. It's a battle that he fights. It's unfair. And yet if you watch him on social media, there's a smile on his face. There's an authority in his voice and he can help people transform. That's what I'm talking about. It's not just a physical thing though. This week I had another surgery. I work out my body, I stay healthy, I do everything I can. And all of a sudden I had this thing on my leg. Go, what in the world? Like what else, have you ever felt like this Jason? What else can I do? Like what else can I do? Now, I know your wife has to hear that all the time. Maybe what else I gotta do to make you happy? Anyway, no, but the truth is, what are, I'm doing my absolute best. And I go to the doctor and they say, you've got a venous ulcer. I've never heard of that. You need to go get your veins and your legs checked. Now listen, y'all, I've run my rear off. I used to have a big rear. I don't have it anymore because I have run my butt off. I'm just telling you. I've worked out. I have done cardio. I told my son the other, not, not long ago, it wasn't the other day, it was a couple months ago now. I said, Josh, you realize I never miss a day. I don't miss a day. He goes, that's great, Dad. I never make a day. He was, <laughs> real interesting conversation. Very motivating. You can tell I'm leaving the leg living the legacy I want to leave. And I wasn't trying to brag on myself. I was trying to say to Josh, there's a price I pay at 60 to be in the shape that I'm in. And I don't expect everybody to understand the fight. Jason, we don't, everybody didn't have to understand the fight. But we know what works against incredible odds. So I go, they do an ultrasound on my leg. So unfair. I've got leaky veins in my leg. Blood is pooling in my leg. Your main artery, your femoral artery, your arteries in your legs take blood from your heart, but then your veins only go one way. They only have one valve that bring blood back to your heart. 
Some of my primary veins in my legs were messed up. Greg, I'm in, I'm late on the, on the, in the, in the, in the surgery room on Tuesday. And I looked at the doctor and I said, have I really got to do this? I was just mad, Jason. It was like, I'm going, I'm like, God, I don't know what else I can do. I feel like taking this leg and doing what Jim Carrey did and liar, liar, and just finding something to beat it on. Because it is not supposed to be happening like this. And the doctor looked at me and said, you know, we don't, we don't, no, honestly, they prepped me for surgery. He goes, we don't have to do it. You can wait. That's the wrong thing to say to me. You can wait. We'll eventually have to do it. So I didn't have to have surgery this week, but I had surgery this week. Today I've got a compression deal on my leg. You can't see it. I've got a compression deal on my leg because they killed some veins in my leg this week. My leg is bruised all the way down. The good news is after he did it, he said, you know, about 20 years ago, we just had to like cut your leg wide open and pull the veins out. He goes, now we can just cartherize them. Is that what it's called? Carterize. They burned me up one side and down the other. But I'm going to tell you something. If I hadn't told you about it, you wouldn't know it today. Because this leg, whether it likes it or not, is going to perform. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just telling So watch this. Nobody knows the fight you got to fight. But you've got to fight. Listen to me. If you're going to leave a legacy, you've got to fight your fight. And you've got to win your fight. And it's nobody else's fight. And you can't blame your losses on anybody else, America, or anybody else. You fight your fight. You do what you got to do. And you stand on your own two feet with your own brain, with your own heart, with a body that God calls as his temple. And you offer it back to God. And you say, God, whatever I've got to deal with, whatever I've got to go through, I'm going to go through it. Because when you grow through what you go through, you create breakthrough in your life. I believe it 100%. 100%. So here's the last thing. All these miracles, walls falling down, waters parting. For 27 years, Joshua led the way. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And then just one generation later, they didn't know God. See, uh, Jenny, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. It's, it's not enough to bring our kids to church. I've got to talk it when they're awake. I've got to talk it when they're going to sleep. I've got to talk it when they get up in the morning. I've, I've got to talk it at the table. Even when I'm struggling myself, I've got, to talk, I've got to talk the kingdom. I've got to speak the legacy that this is who we are. Doesn't matter what your friends are doing. This is, this is who we are. And we instill that into our children because they're going to go to school and they don't have a mom like you. They're going to go to school with kids who aren't in church. They're, they're gonna go to school and they've never had a parent talk to them about God. And then the older they get, they're gonna be around more of those people. And if we're not very intentional, then just because we loved God, 
and we did our best. It's not enough just to be a good Christian. I've got to be a kingdom person that reproduces the kingdom of God in my children. And those are the people that change the world. Those are the people that change the world. Sean, those are the people that change the world. Not the ones that have the least amount of struggle, but in fact, like my friend Jason over here, who has a reason not to be healthy. And that's his king every day. To say, body, God, this is your temple. I'm doing everything I can. I'm maximizing it, God. And God said, because of what I've called you to do, Jason. Jason, come up here. I'm going to lay my hands on you just real quick. Chuck, stand, stand behind him. Because of what I've called you to do in your life, the struggle that you have is way more than just some kind of physical thing. Because what you overcome, you're going to be empowered to help people overcome things that are not just the same, but are very dissimilar, but you're gonna remove people's excuses. And because of that, the Spirit of the Lord would say, I've given you great influence. And the influence that I've given you, even as you've increased your talk and your walk with me, you're gonna see that I'm gonna open doors, I'm gonna bring new alignments into your life like you've never seen before. And because you're fighting your fight, it's not about the, the thing is not about the thing, but everything is about everything. I'm gonna to begin to do things that you only dreamed about. I'm gonna to begin to show you things that you've, you, you haven't even thought about yet. Your eyes haven't seen, your ears haven't heard. But because of your faithfulness, says the Lord, I'm gonna do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Those sons that you have, I didn't just give you one, I gave you two on purpose. And the reason I gave you two is because your influence is gonna be multiplied double, double in the earth, even through your children, even through this generation. That woman I gave you, I gave you that woman because yes, she is opposite from you, but hear her voice. Never minimize what she says, but let my spirit speak to your spirit through her still small voice and sometimes very loud voice. But here's what God would say to you. What God would say to you is that every price that you're paying right now is not for now, but you are forging a way for people that I am bringing your way that is going to give you a supernatural ability to bring about transformation like the physical world has never seen before, like the fitness world has never seen before. I indeed am going to use your body for my glory because your body is my temple, says the Lord. God, today as I lay my hands on him, I pray that you would pour your spirit out on him like never before. God, I speak to this diabetes and I command it to go in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you gave, you gave Jason not just his body, but God, you gave him the potential that he has to develop his, his body in spite of all odds. And therefore he is qualified, he is commissioned, he is ordained, he is strong to be able to do that for other people. I speak that in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this son of God in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I wanna show you something. Listen, I wanna show you something. What I just did, what I just did with Jason, that's not Pastor Keith. What I just did for Jason is as a spiritual father, I spoke over his life. What his earthly father is not able to, he's not able to. Not because he's not a good man, that's not even the issue. He's not able to. So Jason positions himself and his family in this house and God begins to call his name. 
God begins to call his name. It's the same thing for you. And I want to show you something in scripture and I want you to hear me. 400 years they were slaves. And they tried to give themselves every kind of excuse of why. They didn't deserve the promise of God. They couldn't have the promises of God. They couldn't benefit from the promises of God. And God was trying to say, listen, you got to talk this way. You got to walk this way. You gotta, you've got to do this in the mornings. You got to do this throughout your day. You've got you've to get this ingrained into your spirit. Now watch this. From the time they came out of Egypt, 400 years of bondage, of slavery, 27 years, and a few added to that, but 27 years Joshua led them after Moses died. From the time they came out of Egypt, 68 years later, after God had delivered them from bondage, after all the miracles, after all the battles were won, after all the signs and wonders that God had done for their parents and grandparents, here's what the Bible says. The next generation abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers who brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods from the gods of the people that were around them and they bowed down to them and they offended and they provoked the anger of God. How long did it take them to forget all that God had done for them? You would think, Rod, nobody would ever forget. God brought us out of, God brought us out of Egypt. Let's don't forget this. Listen, that's why we got these rocks here. Let's don't forget what God's done 20 years in our church. Rod's name is on that, is on that plaque out there. Let's don't forget. Here, look what, look what God's done. Look how God's restored you. Look, look, look at the family that God's doing in your, you know, let's don't, let's don't forget because God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. Hey, listen, an old church song. I'm prophesying this over you. Baby, you ain't seen nothing, nothing yet. Bump, bump. Y'all hadn't seen nothing yet. Come on. The best is yet to come. God has so many good things in your future. He's opening his heavens over your life right now. Listen, lift up your hands, everybody. Just lift it up. I don't just believe it. I receive it. Would you tell God that? I don't just believe it. I receive it. Under my watch. I'm going to bless you out. Hold steady just for a second. I want to say this, and I don't want you to misunderstand it. I don't know if they can get this on the screen in the next few minutes. But all my team, listen to me. Go to my last post on Instagram. If you can get it on the screen, get it on the screen. Let me know. So yesterday, Pastor Sheila and I were celebrating Charlie, Charlie's third birthday. And I found myself sitting next to Precious holding my fifth grandchild and my first grandson. He's on my leg and I look next to me and little Sheila has got our fourth granddaughter on her leg. And here's the thought that came to me. This is generation three. 
This is generation three. Wow, for me. My children have far exceeded my expectations because all we wanted is for them to follow hard after God. I had a dream that maybe they would work with me someday. And that was the ideal, that was the dream, and they all do now. But my main goal is that they would follow us as we followed God. And now they're starting to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. The first five have been born. There's another hand, There's another hand. But as I sit there, and we were bouncing these babies on our knees, I thought in my mind, God, would you let me I'm asking you this, like I'm asking a favor. Would you let me see Arik's children? Would you let me see the fourth generation? Sheila's book, she talks about the way we're living, all of us right now, you and me. Doesn't matter what your influence is or not. How you're living your life is gonna affect five generations. For better or for worse. The decisions you're making right now are seeds for the next generation. You might think, oh, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we say. No, 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 it really does. That's why you gotta be intentional. So Sheila, can I see your book for a second? Y'all just stay standing, because if I've been standing on my leg for this long, you can stand. <laughs> By the way, I'm doing good. Thank you, God, I'm doing good. And I'm gonna be better than before. So I want you to listen, and then I'm gonna bless you out. Pastor Josh is gonna come. We also see, Pastor Sheila writes, generations in creation of every, every living creature the monarch butterfly is beautiful, fascinating, complex, and was created from a caterpillar in eight days. Everybody say new beginnings. What's this year for us? It's our year of what? Transformation. The caterpillar dies, the butterfly emerges. Monarch butterflies may take as many as five generations to make it from Mexico to Southern Canada and back again. Let me stop right here. Where's your family headed? We, we can't even hardly think past this generation. What do you want for your children? What do you want for your children's children? How are you living your life? How are you managing your money? How are you navigating your gifts, how are you developing your gifts for the next five generations? So again, monarch butterflies may take as many as five generations to make it from Mexico to Southern Canada and back again. The monarch parents start their migration northward and they hatch their eggs and they die. So they start north, they hatch their eggs, they die. Then the next generation continues the journey. The total time frame for one butterfly's life cycle 
is six to eight weeks. That's one generation. The second generation and the third generations continue the journey the first generation started. But now listen to this. The fourth generation, however, is different. It won't live six to eight weeks. Not the first, not the second, not the third, but the fourth generation of monarch butterflies, they live six to eight months. God designed it that way. If all the other generations do what they're supposed to do, you get to the fourth generation and it goes 10X. They awaken every February and March to repeat the process. So goes the family tree of the butterfly. As I was reading this this morning, Pastor Sheila interrupted me. Can you imagine that? She interrupted me. And she told me something that you're not going to believe. Go ahead, Pastor Sheila. So we never do in this year a transformation and really a starting the year with the butterfly, starting from the caterpillar to the butterfly. But I just found out last night as reading through some of the Frisco newsletter and information that right here, this is all Pearson Farms. So originally where Mr. Pearson lived, they are taking that, you may see it blocked off. They are taking that. 13 acres. And that 13 acres is becoming Monarch Park. And the reason why they have named it that is because they have spotted the monarch butterfly all in that area. This is a part of their path. And so they are designing the whole park after the migration pattern of the monarch butterfly. And they are putting a, a native plants to a monarch butterfly that would feed on these plants that would encourage them to continue to migrate instead of putting homes here and continuing to build. They're putting a park specifically for the encouragement of a monarch butterfly, their migration patterns to come to that park and to migrate on those plants. Isn't that really cool? Now listen, for some of y'all, you think, oh, that's really neat, that's really neat. Like I, I've got one of my friends and I, everything I tell him, he goes, that's neat. If he would let me coach him, he would never say that again. <laughs> so far that hasn't happened. But anyway, here's what I can tell you. For everything in the natural, help me church, there is a supernatural correlation. God gave us this word this year. There's a park that's being built right here next to us that represents what this year is all about. And guess what? I just announce again, this is your year of transformation. I announce again, this is your best year. I announce again that these last three months are gonna be the best months of this year for your life, for your family, for your business. In Jesus' name, come on y'all, in Jesus' name, amen. Josh, come on up here. Right before I bless you out, be seated just for one second. Thank you for your patience. Oh, there's the picture. There it is. Look at Auric. Keila says he looks like me. I don't know, but I'll take that. But you know what, Josh? I gave a challenge last week that on this weekend, over and above our tithes, over and above our, our normal offerings, that we would give an over and above offering of one day's wages 
whatever you make in a month, give one day over and above this weekend because this first weekend of October, we have pledged $100,000 for our friends, our Dream Center in Colorado City, Arizona, and where we are going to help people restore their lives and the caterpillars are dying and the butterflies are emerging. And we'll be talking more about that, but I, I just wanna challenge you, those of you that will join me and Pastor Sheila and decide, here's what I'm making a month. Today, I'm gonna do one day's wage toward $100,000 to help rescue people who have been disenfranchised by the FLDS, the Fundamental Latter-day Saints in Colorado City, Arizona. And we are going and restoring that city and restoring those people back to God. And it's so powerful, Josh. And so I'm excited about it. Son, last thing. My mama was my hero. My mother was my second hero, spiritual people in my life. Then there's me and your fourth generation and Keila's fourth generation. And so whatever I've done, whatever we've done, you now is the fourth generation of the spiritual legacy. Now we're first generation ministry, you're second generation, but we're fourth generation believers. That I believe like the butterfly, y'all are gonna do so much more. And I'm not gonna have to die to get to see it. You're gonna help me do it. You're gonna go, Dad, your legs aren't working as good as they used to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Dad. <laughs> Josh, just hold me up while I preach. Cause uh, <laughs> whatever, here's what I'm telling you. What you're seeing unfold is generations. And Josh, I'm just prophesying that all of your children, all of Keila's children, 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 all of Whitney's children and children to come are going to be involved in this house, going to be involved in what God is doing. And then you see all them, all their children are going to be a part of the future that we're building here for the glory of God. The monarch butterflies aren't just coming, but the children's children are coming to the house. Amen. God bless y'all. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.